Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Inside the Comedian with me, David Reed. Have a seat. Um, welcome, welcome to Inside the Comedian. Uh, are you well, Josie? Are you... Oh, I couldn't be better. You couldn't be better? No. Not at all? You, it's not you, possible for me. Not possible to be better than you, you, you are currently? Yes. The, the, the absolute peak of physical uh, conditioning? Oh, clearly, yes. Yes. Right. I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. Are you entering the Olympics this time around? Do you know, I tried and they said it would be too upsetting for everyone else involved because I'd be too much better than them. <laughs> so just, just They're very good like that, the Olympic yeah. Committee, I find. <laughs> Josie Long, uh, the New York Times once described you as optimistic to the point of near insanity. Um, how are you so happy? Uh, well, it's a, it's a few things. Yep. I keep a lot of chickens. <laughs> right? Yep. Keep, keep them for what purpose? Well, I haven't decided yet. Right, okay. But the main thing is I'm not getting rid of any of them. Sure, none of them can go free. No. no. I don't, and I don't keep them in a coop. I keep them in the flat. Sure. <laughs> what do you use the coop for? Oh, I live in the coop. Oh, right, yeah, that's fair. It's that's just fair. easier that way around. Yeah, it's nice and snug. Yeah. You've got some straw? Do they have straw? I've never kept well, chickens. Well, I, I dragged the mattress down. Sure, Because the, the chickens coop. kept pecking out the little springs. Oh. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever tried to get a spring out of a chicken, uh, it's, where the, it's where the term spring chicken comes from. Um, it, it's very difficult. It's very di you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you keep chickens. What else? How, how else do you keep happy? Uh, I keep chickens. I am a big practitioner. Of feng shui. Right, a yeah. big one. A big one. So I've moved that coop 15 times. Right. And I'll move it again if I feel it. Right. And, and, and so explain uh, feng shui. How do you know where to move the coop? The coop? Uh, you just, you, you just know. You just know. Right. You know, if, if, if it's off, it's off. And if it's off, you know, that's very bad. What are, what are the negative consequences of uh, bad feng shui? Well, I'll tell you something for free. I live in a chicken coop while 25 hens run riot in my beautiful flat. Right. And that's, that's one of the bad consequences of it. So you'll keep moving the coop around the garden until that circumstance changes. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. You move one chicken into your flat because you think it'll sort the feng shui. Right. And you're on a slippery slope. That yeah, chickens free. are the enemy of feng shui, actually, because they do move a lot. Yeah. yeah. Very hard to keep a stack of chickens in one and corner. And you say to them, don't go by the fireplace. That's bad feng shui. Right. And they look right through you. 
Oh my god, the cold, dead-eyed stare of a chicken. And that's keeping you happy. I mean, that's how I'm happy. Wow. And in the best physical shape of my life. Right, of course. Well, um, could we talk about your career? Oh, I'd love to. Absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd happily talk about chickens for an hour. Uh, but I, I, feel that, I feel that we wouldn't have learnt much about yourself. Truly. Um, so you started out in stand-up incredibly young. Uh, how, how old were you? I was seven and a half. Seven and a half when you yeah. did your first stand-up And the half gig. does count because there was another girl who was seven and three quarters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is she still in the business? Uh, she is, but not performing. Oh, right. What did she do now? She's dead. Oh, she's dead. That, we, we call all dead people in the business out of respect. Because, because it's so funny uh, when the young die. Um, may she didn't die young. She died at 30. Well, I would argue three you're... Quarters. Okay, well, that's not dying young. 30-something? 37 and three quarters. 37 and three quarters. I mean, it's young for a prime minister, but it's not young for a novelist. But she was a... Okay, she was a... Not was young a, for a gymnast. No, no, that's true. That is true. Uh, but she was a quarter of a year older than you and died at 37 and three quarters. And I was nothing to do with that. Nothing to say. do with that. The death. No. The death. No. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. It, I, I feel that the interview would take a downward turn early if we discovered you were a murderer of a rival comedian. Or comedienne, to use a term no one wants. Yes. It's a terrible term. That's, in fact, how she died. She died of the term comedian. She heard the term. She was so sick of it. She, uh... Just, just expired? Uh, yes. Yeah, wow. On the spot. My God. Uh, we'll go back to your career. Thank so you were seven you. and a half when you did yeah. your first stand-up game. What does a seven and a half-year-old uh, do jokes about? Um, so it was mainly political stuff. Sure. You know, I had a great bit, you know, oh, Thatcher's, Thatcher's done a fart. It was, it was right. really, for seven and a half, very sophisticated. Yeah. And it would play very well to the pre-tween crowd. <laughs> Um, oh, you played to people of similar age. You oh, absolutely. You weren't doing the working men's clubs. Or... I did those two. Right. And to be fair, the Thatcher's done a fart gags. It, it absolutely ripped it. Right. You know, I'd go out there, people would be like, oh, it's the anti-Thatcher child. And bizarrely, the other girl, seven and three quarters, yeah. staunch Tory. Really? Yeah, she did now the after... Now, rare. Mm. Mm. Rare, not only for a comedian, but for a, a seven and three quarter year old girl, mm. staunch Tory. She Do you just believed this girl's she... name because I think she, she might feature heavily in your life story. <laughs> she just believed she'd got where she'd got through hard work. That's it, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> she couldn't see her own privilege, basically. She couldn't. Right. She couldn't. She did the lucrative after dinner circuit, whereas I was doing the working men's clubs. Right. So we're from different worlds, really. How do, those, how do those small girls not see that all of us aren't doing the lucrative after-dinner no. circuit? She was sharp on a horse. Right. Yeah. Right. That costs a lot of money if you don't already own a horse. No, she would buy a different horse for each. She was Bloody using disposable hell. horses. I mean, I mean, people expect Single-use horses. When I first started, I tried bringing a horse to every gig. But when you don't have a horse and you have to rent a horse... When's the last time you rented a horse? Oh, like, I wouldn't care to say. No, it's... <laughs> And Avis are dicks about it as well. They're like, this, oh, this horse, horse isn't as full as when we gave it to you. You just go, it, it Th There's eat. a scratch on this horse. The horse scratched himself. Right. With his hoof. Right. He was bored. <sighs> it's, it's not worth the hassle, frankly. Or just buy your own horse. Yeah. But um, as a stand-up comedian, I mean, success yeah. and fandom did follow fairly, uh, fairly quickly, I'd say. Um, 
do, do you have a close relationship with your fans, like a, a sort of Taylor Swift figure, or do you sort of cynically see them as a resource to be exploited like Taylor Swift? <laughs> Weirdly, yeah. my only registered fan is Taylor Swift. Registered fan? She's registered. What register is she on? The official fan register. Oh, right, thank God. She has to sign it right, she... at the police station. Okay, but it's a good place to keep it. It's always safe. Um, you, she's a big fan of yours. Isn't she? Absolutely and, massive fan. And no one else? No. That's a shame. Listen, if you're a fan of this, you don't need anything else. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. There, but, but only one person agrees with you. Taylor Swift? Yeah, Taylor Swift. I mean, it's a good fan. Well... She could have done more to spread the word, though, couldn't she? I mean, she's got a fan base herself. She could maybe tell some of them about you. I say that to her right. often. Yeah, you say Taylor... Because she's you know. very chummy with me as if she knows me when she doesn't. Right. Huh? Right. She'll come backstage. Oh, oh. She comes backstage. That must be quite frightening. Well, she's got an entourage. They, they all come backstage. Mm-hmm. But they're not fans. No, they just sort of stand in the corner and wait for her to finish. Yeah, if anything, the entourage actively hate my work. Mm. And so what's weird is like, she'll come back. The entourage come back, frosty vibe. Oh, there. And as you know, I'm a real feeler of vibes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frosty. Frosty. Not moribund, though. Sharp. Sharp. A sharp vibe. Brutal. Uh, well, it's all right in the dressing room, though, I suppose. I mean, that's okay. No, it puts me off because unlike other comedians... Yes. I receive people into the dressing room before the show. Right. Mm. Right. So mm. you can just jump in a taxi and go get, a, I don't know, a takeaway or something at home. Uh, so what happens is we all get a takeaway, then they come backstage. <laughs> right. Then I do the show. Okay. And then what happens after the show? I prepare. <laughs> yeah, warm-up exercises mm. warm-up exercises it's yeah, my yeah. ritual I wouldn't change it sure because what if if you changed it the show wasn't the same show and if the show wasn't as good I risk losing all of my fans <laughs> right <laughs> that's just unthinkable um, you supported a very famous comedian very early on in your career, probably around the time you were seven and a half, eight and a half. Yep. Who was that? Roy Chubby Brown. Roy Chubby Brown. Now, that is an odd uh, match, I think. I mean, yeah, he used to make us stay in twin rooms. <laughs> twin room. Okay, an eight-year-old with Roy Chubby Brown. We're going to go there. But so what was Roy like? Very, very respectful, was he? Was he respectful? <laughs> He's there with an eight-year-old Josie Long in a twin room. I'll um, tell you something for free. Yeah, please do. We didn't want to watch the same television. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> Always a fight for that remote. Right, so what, what were you fighting for? Uh, children's BBC. Children's BBC. CBBC. Not CBBS. I'm seven and a half. Right, and what was Roy? Uh, Roy Chubby. Is it two first names? What was Roy Chubby fighting for? I used to call him Chubbs. Chubbs, fair enough. He wanted to see babies. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and I'd say to him, Roy, Chubbs, come on. Oh, not more Bing. Not more Bing. We can't be watching this again. And he'd say, listen, yeah. I just want to see how Bing fucks it up this time. Right. And this is very niche if you've it's got incredibly a two-year-old. Neat. We'll stop the Bing material. <laughs> um, so uh, you must have been supporting him. You'd be playing largely to his audience. Yeah. So how were they to you? Awful. Right. Mm. Awful. But was it a learning experience? Did you, did yes. you Did you learn anything useful doing that talk? Yes, I learned to despise Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> right. And to consider his fans beneath contempt. Right. Yeah. And you carry that contempt into your work today? Uh, yes, my Good. second show, Fuck Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my third show. Yes. If you've recently been to see Roy Chubby Brown, you can get to fuck. Right. <laughs> 
Some people thought you were recycling material in that show, but I, I disagree with it. It was very unfair. I mean, it was supposed to be part of a trilogy, but then, of course, he brought up the lawsuits. Yes. Which, cease and desist. Which were ridiculous suits with patches and uh, tartan all over us. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Vaguely he's not that bad. He's not. He's okay. It's okay. Bad. You know, he, he did order a twin room for an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> we shouldn't have said it. We shouldn't, shouldn't have, have said, said it. it. If you'd like to see the next series of Inside the Comedian recorded live, then we have a monthly residency at King's Place Theatre in London. For full details, go to mrdavidreed.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So you started your own uh, self-produced magazine around this time as well, which um, I'll just get the name right. It was called Vanity Fair. Um, that's doing very well now, isn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. it's absolutely flown. Yeah. It's flown off the shelves. I mean, I can't believe that it started with you just cutting out pictures uh, from other magazines and sticking them on and writing stuff about pop culture and fashion and... Uh, uh, above it, uh, but it's it's done very well. Mm. Why why did you start a magazine when you're a stand up comedian? Um, I started Vanity Fair. Yes, because I love the book. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's it's departed from the book quite a lot now, hasn't yes. it? Yes, and that is where the real schism in production came. Right. <laughs> because I hired Anna Wintour. Yes. If you've heard of her, I have heard of her. <laughs> I, well, I've heard of the the season named after her. <laughs> Anna. Anna. Spring, summer, Anna. Spring again. Yeah. We don't make the seasons. We don't make the seasons. Well, we can't. We we do soon. <laughs> Man-made climate change, everyone. We make the seasons now. And the seasons are fuck and oh shit. Fuck. Oh shit. And they're back to fuck again. <laughs> With Christmas in between. <laughs> Christmas is when the swarms come. The sad part is, yeah. podcasts will survive longer than we will. 
In 2356, yeah. people will be listening to this going, they knew about the swarm. <laughs> How did they know? We must recreate Vanity Fair. Maybe then the sun will return. <laughs> Let's hope not, because it's a terrible newspaper. Terrible. Don't, future generations, do not recreate the magazine Vanity Fair. And don't buy the sun. No, don't get the sun to return. They didn't like it. They didn't like that bit. No, they didn't like it. We'll keep it in. Um, <laughs> so what happened? Well, the schism between you and Vanity Fair. Yeah, so I got in Anna Wintour. Yes. I got in uh, other luminaries. Luminaries? Well, that's a good choice. Mm, mm, mm. Somebody said to me, get dead beats. I said, no. No, no, no. Luminaries. <laughs> Not for Vanity Fair. We'll be having some luminaries. We want, to, we want some French shining lights on this project. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We want an uh, animated candlestick. Was that a luminary? <laughs> Lumiere. I'm thinking of Lumiere. He was part of the project. Oh, was he? Yes. And a funny story. Halfway through the making of the first edition, yeah. the curse was broken. Oh. And turns out when he's not a candle... Yeah. Bit of a dickhead. The, the shtick doesn't work. Ah, what a shame. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have these luminaries round, winter, yep. etc. And I'd say to my vision for the magazine mm. is to really, really get William Makepeace Thackeray's... Sure. <laughs> got away with that. Uh, words out to a younger audience, you know. So we cut and paste paragraphs, and next we'll put a picture of a skateboard. Right. That's what all young kids love. <laughs> Reel them in, distract them onto the reading. Right. And so we'd have the first editorial meeting, put the first issue out. Yeah. Sales were low. My mum bought one. That's one. Oh, that's it. I yeah, see. That's, that's very that's low. And Wintour. I mean, you've got an enormous, um, you've paid at a lot of employees to sell one to your mum at that point. And presumably your mum was bankrolling it as well. So that's, no, that's not going to work out for her. I don't come from money. It was actually bankrolled. Roy Chubby Brown. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I think you've been mean bad-mouthing him then. <laughs> it was bankrolled by Roy Chubby Brown. Right. Mm, okay. My one-time friend. Okay, right. Then what happened sadly was I was off doing some interviews right. for the second edition. Right. I was interviewing... Uh, I can't remember. You. Remember? Well, yes, I, I mean, I've still got the second edition. Yeah. It, it's pride of place in my toilet. Um, next to my toilet. It's not in my toilet. Thank God. I still use my toilet. I'm, I'm not that old. And, um, yes, uh, you were interviewing, I believe it was uh, George Clooney who had just been cast as Batman at the time. Oh, that's true. And, yes. But nobody knew the film was shit yet. Yes. So and my he, first question was, is this one going to be shit? Right. And what did he say? He said, I don't know yet. Right. That's a worry, isn't it? Mm, the yet. That was the hard yet. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I, think, I think if a film star says, I don't know, that's still bad. Yes, yes. If you, if you know, you're... Yes, I was hoping for definitely not, can't wait. Right. But that was going to be the, the, the pull quote. The pull quote, definitely not, can't wait. That would have drawn people into it. <laughs> yeah, with a picture of a skateboard next to it. <laughs> sure, right. No, kids would have loved that. Yeah. Kids would have loved that. And did it work? Did, did so it? I was interviewing Clooney. Right. And I was off on his yacht. Sure. Um, he does all of his interviews on his yacht, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's never at sea. Uh, it's no, it's a dry dock. Dry dock. <laughs> little, little known fact about Clooney. Yeah. Afraid of water. Oh. You want to scare Clooney? Bring a glass of water. Right. Watch his little eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, if you look closely in Ocean's Eleven, he's never drinking whiskey. It's always sand. Mm. Mm. He didn't even like the fact that that film 
was called Ocean's Eleven. No, well, he wouldn't, would he? His wanted, name was Ocean. Yeah, he yeah. wanted he wanted his character to be called Dry Land. Which which would have been good. It would have been alliterative, because he was called Danny, wasn't he? So it's Danny Dryland. Danny Dryland. I would have still watched it. He wanted to, he wanted to call it Danny Dryland's Ten Great Mates. <laughs> <laughs> Commit the heist. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. Of a century? Question mark. And that mark. was the title? Yeah. Wow. Question mark. I like yeah. the question mark. Yeah. So it, the sequel presumably would have been Danny Dryland and his... Uh, and his 11 great mates commit the heist of the century? No, it would have been, he told me. Right, okay. Danny Dryland yes. and his 10 great, great mates right. are all back, but who's with them? Question mark. Al Pacino. <laughs> it's another, yeah. right. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. <laughs> and that's all in the title. That's all in the title. I, I think I would have preferred it in many ways. In many ways. Um, and then when they do the, the all-female reboot, did he, did, were they planning that far ahead? Did he mention what that oh. was going to be called? Yeah. Right, who did? Yeah. It's a long interview so on you, his you dry remember. dock. But what... <laughs> who was it starred in the female reboot? Well, that was, uh, that was Sandra Bullock and Anne Hathaway. Of course, of course. And Mindy Kaling. Of course. And, uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Now, as we all know, yes. Sandra Bullock, famously, named Sandy... Terrified of sand. Terrified of sand. <laughs> Terrified of sand. Yeah. So she not only wanted it to be called Ocean's Eleven. Right. Problem with, what's the problem with the ocean? It ends at the beach. <sighs> if you're scared of sand, no matter how far out to sea Catch you are. Catch 22 with yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what were they going to call it? They were going to call it. Yeah. Danny Dryland. <laughs> right. Brackets. Not a beach. Close brackets. Right. Has got ten great mates. Yeah. But hey, but hey this time yeah. it's women. It's women. <laughs> so clever. Isn't not it? finished. Oh, not finished. Not done. Will they yeah. be able to pull off yes. the heist of a century? Of a century. Okay. Yeah. And that a century yeah. is the twenty-first century. Wow. God, they really brought it up to date, didn't they? <laughs> with that, with that reboot. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. And this is the thing, if you are not a skilled interviewer, yes. you do not find these things out from celebrities. Well, congratulations to you. I don't think I would have got that out of Thank you. Out of so it came... He's never invited me to his dry, dry doctor <laughs> boatyard. He's never invited me. It's a shame because it's, uh, it's, it's a real treat. Yeah. And on the way out... You can buy a magnet. <laughs> and he made you buy it. Yeah, no. <laughs> How do you think the rich stay rich? He's got a big, a big ribbon at the bottom of it. Yeah. And it said on it, yeah. I've had the time of my life. Right. <laughs> which, is a, which is a quote from a Patrick Swayze I'm not movie. finished. Right, okay, sorry. <laughs> it said on it, yeah. I've had the time of my life and I've never felt this way before. Yes, I swear. It's so true. Yeah. I've been on George Clooney's boat. <laughs> I've been on George Clooney's boat. Oh, wow. <laughs> and guess how much it cost me. I don't know, like $5? You'd, I'd dream of $5. How much did it cost? 59 quid. Wow. 59 quid for that? Quid. Have you still got it? Well, here's the thing, it only costs $4, but that's the exchange rate he gave me. Oh, God. George. 
That's how the rich stay he's rich. He's a nice guy, but he just, he's really weird with money, isn't he? He's, a, he's famed as a nice guy. But yeah. Once you get on that boat, you've got no option. No. Buy the, the magnet. Yeah. He hides the gangplank until you've bought something. <laughs> um, so, um, your act, we've, we've touched on it. Your act's become very political uh, recently. Um, uh, in fact, you've engaged in some absolute top draw do goodery. Um, so, why are you so ungrateful to the patriarchy? <laughs> now listen yes if one in this life is not tested yes one does not know how good one is who said that I did you did just then yes right if one is not tested one does not know how good one is mm. if I do not test the patriarchy yes how will it ever know how good it is you're right hmm? right hmm? and it needs to know it's very needy <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really, yeah, it yeah. really does have a lot of needs. Um, when I set up my charity, yes, designed to undermine the family, right, <laughs> the nuclear family. Yes. 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 Yeah. What it is is very small amounts of radiation sent to every father in the land. It's a great charity. If you, <laughs> uh, we'll be doing a collection. Yeah, we received a lot of criticism. What? Yeah. Yeah. They said. This is dangerous. Right. They said, why are you doing deals with Iran to buy radiation? Well, sure, but where else are you going to get your thank radiation? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> They're the only people selling. It's not um, Die Hard 4. It isn't. And, and Britain needs to wake up to the fact it is not Die Hard 4. <laughs> no matter how much you want it to be Die Hard 4, it's not Die Hard 4. And even having that having been said, I'm not sure if Die Hard 4 is the one I mean. Right. <laughs> 4.0, Die Hard 4.0. There is a Die Hard where someone is selling some nuclear weapons, isn't there? Sure. I think it's all of them. But you have to peer in the background of some of them. It's, it's not plot-specific in course. some of them. Now, my goal yes. of depleted uranium in every home... Yes. People said it was unrealistic. And I said to them, I'll show you what's unrealistic. And it turned out they were right. It was completely unrealistic. Right. And... It wasn't well thought through. No, but you did take the charitable donations nonetheless. Absolutely, and I'm still a registered charity, and I will accept your donations this evening graciously. So please give generously. Um, so um, can comedians heal the rifts in our society, do you think? Absolutely not. Or, or are not. we merely... Oh, no, we, we no, can't. No, absolutely not. Because I, I feel that maybe comedians have sort of given, given politicians permission to be sort of... Uh, despicable entertainers themselves. We've given them a vocabulary with which to gull people. That wasn't comedians, that was have I got news for you? But sorry, yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, oh God, I mean it's hard not to engage with this in good faith. Um, well, we can move on to some silly crap thank if you, you like. Um, well, um, I think what that noise my watch has an alarm and I bought it yesterday, that's very odd, isn't it? I've never, there we go, shut up. Um, so, um well, that's all we've got time for, is what that alarm says. I did not set that, but it is the end of my show. <laughs> it's very strange, isn't it? I set it on this very day, 12 years ago. <laughs> Josie Long, thank you for letting us inside you. Well, thank you all very much for coming. Thank you for listening to Inside the Comedian with me, your host, David Reed. 
For the latest news and guest announcements, please follow at Mr. David Reed on Twitter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 